0: Hello and welcome back. Today we have three scary stories. Joining me today are two underrated channels that deserve a lot more subs than they currently have. So make sure you subscribe to them and check out their channels if you like their narrations. Their links will be in the description. Lighthouse Horror will read story number 2 and Vidith 22 will read story number 3. In the mid-90s, I used to be a photo technician. Those were the days when all you could do on a phone was dial a number, and if you wanted to take photos, you brought your camera containing actual rolls of film that you had to drop off at the store to be developed. Amazing how times change. As far as jobs go, I couldn't complain. The pay and hours were solid, and I was pretty much my own boss. But there was one thing I never really got used to. Looking at photos of complete strangers always felt slightly intrusive, even if they knew I was doing it. Spending hour after hour in an ominously lit dark room filled with chemicals so you could take a peek at the memories of people you had never met is inherently voyeuristic. It's almost like going through someone's stuff, so that's why I always make sure not to get too interested in what photos I was developing. Some days I like to pretend that I was in a government lab developing film for some type of top secret project, but the reality was nowhere near that. Usually the most exciting pictures I dealt with were holiday pictures of parents wearing ugly Christmas sweaters before they were a joke. One day I was delivering some photos from a drop-off order. I had done the initial process and was now checking on my work to make sure it had come out okay. Everything looked fine, the colors were normal, and the images were just as they should be. Since this was back when someone could have red eye in the pictures, they weren't exactly the model of clarity and detail we have now but they were acceptable. I was just about to put these away and start on my next order when for some reason, one of the photos caught my attention. Most of these pictures were shots of the outdoors that someone took near a park or something. There are some beautiful shots of a lake filled in on every side with dense pine trees. It was gorgeous to look at, but there's something a little off. One of the pictures showed a family of five gathered together in front of a cluster of blue sparse trees near a pond in the afternoon. In the left corner near the edge of the shot, there was a shape of a person. There wasn't much you could tell, but there was definitely a person standing there wearing what looked like a black shirt and blue jeans. It's clear from the picture that the photographer was either ignoring the person or most likely had no idea that the person was even there. There was nothing obviously alarming about it, but it reminded me of one of those blurry Bigfoot pictures that were on the front page of some of those tabloids It was something about that lone person lurking out in the woods that looked slightly creepy but a random person making it into a shot happened a ton in pictures especially back then so i finished the order went on with the next batch and forgot about the picture three weeks later i was going through a totally different order when i found another strange picture except this one was different instead of the great outdoors this picture was from a birthday party of some sort In the picture I was looking at, everyone was inside of a massive dining room and clustered around a big dining room table, while the birthday girl, a blonde girl, who looked like she was about 20, was blowing out the candles of her extravagant white birthday cake. But what caught my attention was the large bay window that everyone was facing away from. There was a man standing outside closely watching everyone inside. He was average looking from what I could tell, but what caught my attention was his expression. He wasn't standing out there with a woeful expression that said he was left out. No, this guy was intentionally watching them, like one who watches an animal at a zoo. I wasn't 100% sure, but I thought that he may be looking at whoever was taking the photo. Either way, I had no idea what to think. Was this a relative that was trying to pull a prank on the birthday girl or something? I've seen plenty of awkward and downright weird family photos, but this one seemed different. I've seen enough awkward family photos to know that you can recognize them almost immediately. They have a unique charm that gives you a good laugh, but in a heartwarming, oh my family is just like that, way. Since there wasn't anything I could do about this weird picture, I checked the rest of the pictures, packaged them up, and kept on with my work. But this time, I couldn't shake the image. Over a month later, there was another weird picture. The setting this time was some kind of pool party. From the looks of the flag-themed decor, it was some kind of 4th of July get-together. It looked like a fun time, plenty of people waving sparklers and eating grilled hamburgers and hot dogs, in between taking a dip in the in-ground swimming pool. As the day turned into nighttime, the pictures now showed people gathering around a large campfire where they roasted marshmallows. My stomach dropped when I saw someone in the pictures who looked like the guy from the birthday party picture. What gave him away was the same expression I had seen before, unflinching, unsmiling, and out of place amidst all the holiday festivities. This time he was in the next to last photo. The picture was from a huge gathering at some park. All the people were spread out on blankets and folding chairs. I figured everyone was there to see some fireworks. I didn't recognize the location or the other people in the shot, but there was no one mistaking the man I saw peering at the group from far in the background. Was this a stalker or something? Because there's no way this could be a coincidence, especially because all the orders were placed under different names. The weird part was that the people in these pictures were completely different from the other ones I had seen before. The only similarity I could tell aside from the strange man was in both instances, he only appeared when there was a photo of a large group of people. The old saying, a picture says a thousand words. It's very true at times, but sometimes you wish it would say a thousand more. I had no idea what the context was for the stranger in the pictures. Worse, there was nothing I could really do. All I had was the name that the respective orders were placed under, and that was it. Ignoring the chill that had washed over me, I finished the order and went on to the next. I managed to forget about what I had seen until one night, about two months later. I was manning the customer service counter for the night and was just getting ready to go on break when I heard a telltale bell chiming. That meant that we had a customer. Putting my stuff down, I strode out of the front to take care of things. How can I help you? I asked a customer whose back was turned to me. Hi, I have an order to pick up. I believe my wife placed it under the name Crawford. He turned to face me and my stomach dropped somewhere around my knees. It was a strange man from the pictures. Same closely chopped hair and unreadable expression. Of course, I managed to say while checking the cartons of packages ready for pickup. Crawford was mercifully near the top. I wasted no time grabbing it and returning to face the guy. Here you are? It will be 795. Gave me a ten, and I quickly made change. Is there anything else I can do for you? I asked over the deafening sound of my own heart rate. Oh no, thank you. This is plenty. Between the two of us, I'm just happy to finally get some time off work. I'm in law enforcement and my schedule is a mess," he added while showing me the legit badge and ID from inside his wallet. No kidding. Yep, I've been doing undercover work for the last few months and it's finally over. That's why I'm thrilled to be doing something as ordinary as running errands. You should be able to read it all in the paper tomorrow, but there was a serial killer operating around here. These victims were all people he knew personally. He would go to their houses for holidays and stuff, and they never suspected a thing. I'll give you this, he was clever. Since he never wanted to have a picture taken there, he would instead volunteer to be the one to take the big family pictures for everyone. I even watched him do it a few times myself. Scary stuff, huh? Very. I agreed as relief began flooding through my body. It's easy to forget that a photo shows everything except the person taking it.
1: My girlfriend had been the first to see it, while I had been the first to see her. Tara, what the hell are you doing? I had found her kneeling on a hill between a triangular-like pattern of tall pine trees and digging furiously into the dry dirt. Fresh blood stained her palms, yet she showed no signs of feeling any pain. I reached down quickly, putting my hands on her shoulders and attempting to pull her away. Tara spun backwards and bit the flesh of my hand. As I recoiled in surprise, she turned back and continued digging farther into the earth. I sat down a few feet away, put pressure on the wound, and watched in a mix of confusion and dread. We had decided on camping for our anniversary. The two of us were experts, not to be arrogant, but it's the truth and I knew that we would be able to get ourselves out of any situation two campers could find themselves in. I hadn't expected to find what we did. The trip had started out normally enough, the first spot we found having four vehicles plopped in the parking lot. Now nah, let's go farther, she had said, smiling and kissing me softly on the cheek. I want us to be alone. I smiled back. I wasn't about to argue. We went 30 miles farther north, and this time when we arrived at the campground, there wasn't a soul in sight. In fact, the place looked almost abandoned. An eerie feel, you know? A dumpster or two knocked over, I assume from bears, and the vines and various brush were starting to creep over the path and take over completely. We walked for three hours, stopping occasionally to kiss, and always joking about school. When you graduate... You mean if you graduate, Tara had said. I flashed her a sarcastic look, but couldn't hold back a smile. As the sun was starting to retreat behind the steady backdrop of mountains surrounding us, we had seen the shape of a snake slither off the side of the path. Tara screamed, running a few yards in the opposite direction. She was as brave a soul as I had ever met, but snakes were just not her thing. I called back over to her. Hey, you should have said why'd it have to be snakes? I shrugged. She didn't get the reference. Chuckling, I followed the yellow outline closely through the rocks and down onto a cool creek of the clearest water I'd ever seen, or at least I can remember seeing. Personally, I love snakes. After a minute or so went by and no sign of Tara, I looked down at my new friend. Well... It's been fun, but the most beautiful girl in the world says we aren't getting married if I have a snake for a pet. Mr. Snake and I shared a moment as I whispered down towards him. I just want you to know you would have been my first choice. It had taken longer than I would have liked to find Tara once I reached the path again. In those few minutes I wasn't scared. I mean not in the traditional sense, but there was something dread isn't exactly right but it's close premonition maybe that's when I saw her digging furiously between the pine trees blood starting to cake with the dirt along her arms she had bitten me and I watched in horror as she continued Jesus why didn't I get up to stop her A last ray of sunlight found its way through a maze of tall pines and fell onto the black outline. It reflected back up into Tara's eyes, and she immediately began to cry as she fell backwards onto the ground behind her. Finally snapping out of it and holding her tightly in my arms, I helped Tara walk a few yards away and sit up on a log nearby, and then turned my head back towards the black object in the ground. I somehow knew what had to be done. As I walked over slowly, she whispered, Don't go over that. I have to, I interrupted, kneeling down over the object. Tara had dug a little over a foot down into the hard dirt, and a small black mirror reflected back up at me. Besides the debris still covering the outline of its edges, it was in pristine condition, I realized. Without wasting any time, I reached into the pile of dirt next to me and was about to bury it again, when it came into view. Inside the mirror was an old woman sitting in a wooden chair, in what looked to be the exact same spot Tara and I were in now. Three pine trees stood behind her, forming a perfect triangle. Her chair was in the very center. It wasn't exactly like a photo, it was more alive than that. Though she wasn't moving, it seemed as real as anything had before. I was so focused now on the woman that I had forgotten to apply pressure to my hand where Tara had bit me earlier. A single drop of blood slid down my arm and fell down with a plop onto the perfect black glass of the mirror. I watched as the old woman opened her eyes and looked up at me. Oh my God, what is it, Jason? Tara asked, not really wanting to hear the answer. I quickly stepped backwards, the crunching of leaves below me making me all the more uneasy, and I looked into my girlfriend's blue eyes. There's, there's a woman in there. She looked at me. Tara ran over and held me close staring over my shoulder towards the black glass. Don't look at it, I told her. The sun continued down over the horizon and I realized it was growing dark far too quickly for my liking. I put my hands on Tara's shoulders and summoned my courage. I think we should break it. Her eyes drifted back towards the object and a swell of emotion rose and then fell over her face. No, why not we're not breaking it she replied i looked her over then we bury it i i'm burying the thing period and before she could reply i walked her over to the log and sat her down stay here seeing how angry she still was i knelt down in front of her you have to trust me the resentment fell away And she hugged me close. "Ah, I'm sorry. You're right. Bury it. I nodded, walking back over to the object and covering it up with as much dirt as I could, all the while making sure not to look back down at the woman. Every fiber of my being wanted to, but I resisted. After a few minutes, dirt fully covered it again and rose up an inch or two from the ground, but it wasn't packed tightly, and the thought occurred to me of someone else or some animal digging it up. I grabbed four of the heaviest rocks I could find and set them down on top. There, I said, wiping my brow. Now, before it gets dark, we have to get as far away as we can. Tara nodded, and we made our way back towards where we had came from. As we quickly moved down the trail, we made good time and even after the sun set our flashlights were strong enough to keep us going at a good pace until she felt it Jason I need to sit down Tara said weakly I sat down with her I noticed that she looked thinner almost frail I think it's my hip it really hurts she said reaching out to hold my hand I looked around and then back at her "'We can't stay here, Tara,' I replied, attempting to help her up. "'Stop. Stop!' she yelled. "'I think it's broken. Did you fall or something?' I asked. But she hadn't fallen. We just didn't yet understand what was happening. I checked my phone, and luck would have it that I finally had a single bar. When the helicopter arrived, the two of us flew together to the nearest hospital, Tara was taken into emergency surgery for a broken hip, among other things. Her blood pressure had dropped significantly, and she was barely able to speak. Surgery was longer than expected, going on until dawn of the next morning. When we finally saw the surgeon, his eyes focused on Tara's mother. Please come with me for a moment. I stood to come with them, and he motioned towards me. I'm sorry you left to stay here. Only immediate family and it's okay. Her mother insisted. The surgeon nodded and led us into a more private room. Please sit down. Is she okay? Tara's mother asked. She made it through surgery, but he trailed off. But what? I replied. He swallowed nervously and his eyes drifted down and onto the wooden desk in front of him. I've... I've never had an operation like this before. He took a deep breath. This isn't a medical diagnosis. But she seems to have aged. Tara's mom and I exchanged a confused look as he continued. I've never seen anything like it. I want to see her. Before he could reply, I continued, I want to see her now. He nodded, and after a moment he rose and led us to the room she had been given. Tara's mother fell back against the wall and began to scream as she saw her daughter's body. My girlfriend looked over at us, her face withered and something beyond frail. She looked to have aged a hundred years or more. I rushed over, pushed away the shock the best I could, and held her hand. What's happening, Jason? She asked weakly. It's been five days since that night, and Tara is still alive for now. I've wanted to talk to her. I've wanted to go over the plan I have, but she's only awake for a few minutes at a time before fatigue takes over and she falls into a deep sleep. I think that I have to go back. I think I have to go back to those hills and those pine trees. I think I have to dig it up again. This time when I see it, I'm going to break it. Sometimes when I sit at night in my girlfriend's room and drift off to sleep, I can see that old woman inside the black glass staring back at me. I tell myself that I'm imagining it. I tell myself that it's only a dream. There is something that haunts me though. When I close my eyes and see her, the old woman staring back at me ...isn't old at all anymore. She's young.
2: I was taking a shortcut through the old factory district... ...when it started to rain. I hadn't noticed the sky swelling with dark clouds... ...my head still throbbing from the sneaker-sized bruise... ...left from when Ethan Davis and his friends had jumped me at lunch period. After another day... I just wanted to lock myself away in my room, where no one could bother me. Just one more year, I kept telling myself. Just one more year and I'd be done with school, and this town, forever. With my GPA, I might be able to apply for college early. The gears of machines that had churned out steady pillars of smoke from the stacks of the great building had long since grounded to a halt, along with the economy. Businesses were abandoned and boarded up, the paints peeling away, revealing crumbling red brick. The skies were dyed in autumn gray, adding to the surrounding gloom of the area. The overgrown grasses swayed around my feet, marching on the buildings like some slowly approaching army, ready to return the area to its former green. As the first skyward droplets soaked through my jacket, I rushed for cover under some vast, connecting girders, I figured that dad wouldn't mind me being a little late. He had already been passed out drunk on the couch by the time I got home. Leaning back against the graffiti scrawled wall, I lost myself in the steady trickle of water against rusting steel. After a while, I found myself unable to settle. That same nauseous feeling tingled through me. One that I was not alone. Opening my eyes back to reality, I turned around to the half-bordered-up window. Between the rotting wood and climbing ivy, a single eye blinked out at me from the darkness. I fell backwards with a strangled gasp, tripping over my own feet. I was able to take off running when I heard the voice. Wait! A wispy, dark tendril sneaked out from underneath and strained out towards me. Looking closer... I realized that it was one of dozens, all coiled around the swollen, disembodied orb, forming a fleshy eyelid. Leaves sprouted from them, as whatever it was had tried to fuse with the plants, which only served to make it look more unnatural. Please, please don't leave. It was the kind of voice I'd only ever heard before in TV or movies, usually heavily modified by computers neither male nor female, and despite the lack of a mouth. There was a strange echo to it, which only seems to accentuate the sadness in its tone, and just hearing it was enough to stop me in my tracks. Who are you? Ombra. The words came slow, stunned that someone had stayed this long in its presence, and struggling to make normal conversation. Ombra? The eye at the center of the squirming mass fell to the ground. I am an anomaly. Something that was never supposed to exist in this world. Some part of me was wondering still why I wasn't running yet. I couldn't bring myself to feel fear that they were as lonely and hurt as I was. I shrugged the sliding strap of my backpack up onto my shoulder. Well, that makes two of us. And so, began the best and strangest relationship of my life. I soon found myself going down that way, not just to escape my tormentors, but just to talk to them. They told me about their birth in the darkness, unsure of who they were or why they were even there. How they had saw the past through every crack and chipped paint of the lives that had come and passed through this place. In return, I told them about my life. My dream of living in a little cabin in the mountains, the pinwheel that I'd made in third grade which Dad had torn up in front of me, and the memories of my mother, how she'd sang to me, even in her last days when she'd been in a hospital bed filled with tubes. It was more than i had ever revealed to anyone. I was afraid of driving them away with just how much i talked, but Ambra clung onto every word. No one had ever paid that much attention to me at school or home. They made me feel like I was really someone, and not just a school freak. I found myself forgetting the initial shock of their appearance. I had been trying to dab away the trickle of blood from my nose when I had felt a slimy tip pat my back. But Amra had been quick to notice. They seemed to have an initial ability to pick up on my slightest pain, emotional or physical. Why do they hurt you so? They asked. There was no pity or disgust in their question, just pure compassion. Tears sprung to my eyes and I struggled to hold them back. I didn't want them to think of me as more pathetic than I already was. Because they can, I admitted. I've learned long ago not to fight back. Ethan was bigger and stronger than me. Most were too afraid. The school district had only turned a blind eye to it all, it, it was just the way of things. Still, Ethan hurt a hell of a lot less than my dad. Then they long, you're better than you think you are. You deserve to be treated better. I felt them stroke the space between my shoulder blades, my fists tightened trying to keep myself from completely breaking down. No one had ever helped me like that, not since my mom. Their eyes snapped open, a tendril whipped back inside the darkness of the old building, rummaging around for something. They returned with a red rose twisted in their grip, holding it out towards me, scarlet petals shivering in the cold air. My mouth fell open, fingers retreating from my face to take it. One stray drop of blood oozed down from under my fingernail, splashing against the surface of their wriggling skin. Umbra's eyes shot open pupil shrinking to a near-invisible dot. The white seemed to bubble upwards like a freshly cracked egg on a heated frying pan, their tentacles convulsing around it. Before I was able to tear away, the plank of wood separated us to save them. Umbra's eyes split open to form another separate one. I found myself faced with two cold, blue irises staring back at me. I didn't know whether to laugh or scream. You... your eyes... How did you do that? Both eyes shifted around in a way that was both familiar and deeply wrong, exploring their sudden and newfound perception. They seemed just as confused as I was about the whole thing. I'm not sure. They offered. It was you more than anyone else. Your blood. when it touches my flesh. I stared down at my hand, smearing a crusted pink from the half-dried blood. I did that. I wondered out loud. It appears so. Umbra sighed, staring down at their tendrils. If only I had hands. They breathed. I stepped forward. There's still a little left. I started. Umbra's new eyes closed, tentacles swaying around as it shook its non existent head. No, they answered. I refuse to let you harm yourself for me. It wouldn't be enough anyway. Their voice faded back into the decaying silence as both eyes fixed in a deep frown of concentration. I'd never seen them with such an intense expression before. The pit of my stomach tightened. I think I have a way. The eyes fell on me. My heart began to pound as they filled my vision. I want you to bring the one who has caused you so much pain to this place. To me. A strangled cry escaped my mouth. Ethan? No. If he found you, he'd hurt you. I won't do it. I can't. Just trust me. Their wiry tendril curled around my index finger like a ring, silencing the growing fears in my head. When I saw the look in both their eyes, one that I knew was reserved for me, I I knew that it would do anything for me. As the bell had signaled the end of the school day, I had made a point of sneaking around where Ethan could see me. They hadn't gotten a rise out of me for days, and most of his friends had lost interest, but Ethan was as determined as ever. Every day, he would poke and prod, trying to trigger a reaction, and seeing me deviate from my normal routine was blood on the water, which he followed me with shark-like precision. I winced as a crumpled beer can bounced off the back of my skull with a tinny crack, but I just kept walking. Hey, Peterson. Peterson. He brayed out. What's the rush? What, you too good to talk to me anymore? The padding grasses turned into crunched gravel as he followed me further into the abandoned area. I prayed that they would be right. Fresh pain brushed across my abused nerves as blunt fingernails dug into my shoulder and wrenched me around to the sight of Ethan's pasty, snarling face. Don't ignore me, you creepy shit, he barked. What the hell are you even doing out in this shithole? My eyes drifted over to the darkness of a nearby boarded up window, knowing exactly what waited inside. I didn't want to lose them. My head was spinning. But I remembered Umbra's words Trust me. Ethan caught onto the direction of my wandering eyes, his own gaze falling on that building. A smile curled across his face, knowing something of value is inside the words fell out of my mouth before I had time to stop them. Please, I exhaled. Don't go in there. He shook his head with a chuckle, grip tightening on my shoulder as he pulled me over. Stale alcohol drifted off every word he spoke. Keeping secrets from me? I thought we were friends. I'm hurt. Well, if you won't show me what you're hiding, he tossed me to the ground. Then I'll find out myself. I limped after him. Fear outweighed the pain. He paused, wedging his bulk under the plank and shifting through inside. Aside from Ethan's stumbling, I couldn't hear any other signs of life in there. After a few minutes of walking around in the darkness, his chuckles went silent. I only heard one brief, inaudible exclamation of confusion before it trailed off into screams. The loudest and most horrific I'd ever heard. It was as if his very throat was being torn out. As quickly as it happened, it reverted into silence. Umbra. I called out, my voice bouncing off the vacant walls. My fingers clamped around the rain-soaked wood as I squinted in. Inside of the inhuman tendrils, I'd become used to. A pair of hands reached out. They were almost human, but a dark gray in color. The thick... Twisting fingers that had brushed against the tips of my own outreached ones, the black fingernails, pointing into steely tips. They were massive, the palms encompassing my own hands. Eyes hovering forward out of the darkness. My chest sagged in relief when I saw Umbra's pale blue eyes instead of Ethan's greenish glare. Umbra, is—is is he? I began. Yes, he's gone. Emotion welled in my throat warmth flowed down my spine like the sun shining on my back Thank you The hands reached up to cut my face thumbs stroking over my cheekbones moving around to the back of my head to thread through my hair Even with the size and sharpness there wasn't a single millisecond of pain my breath hitched to my throat The tenderness with which they touched me was something that I once resigned myself to ever experiencing in my life. It was all that existed in that moment. It felt like home. Are you happy? They asked. God, yes. So happy, Umbra. I can make all the pain disappear. My eyes opened as they went on. I wouldn't just have hands. Out of a whole body to hold you with. I can punish all those who have ever hurt you. Would you like that? My lower lip trembled. I I couldn't try to deny it, but the answer was already there. Yes. More than anything. Their eyes remained unblinking, focused on me. Then bring them all to me. It was easier than I expected. I promised them drugs and lured them down, urging them inside. They compiled and one by one met their fate in the dark. Like Ethan, a brief scream would resound out before being cut off by silence. And they were gone from my life forever. Each new person brought in a new feature to Umbra's form. Arms, a mouth, a nose. Until they had a complete face, every day. I find something new about them to fawn over. The joy that bubbled up inside me at knowing they would never hurt me or anyone else overshadowed any doubts. Unfortunately, even in a dead town like this, the disappearances of four people didn't go unnoticed. They overlooked me, believing it to be drug-related, but I knew I had to stay away for the next few weeks, at least until the heat of the investigation died down. Umbra was still a constant worry in my mind. I didn't want to leave them alone again. I'll be fine. They reassured me in that gentle echo. I'm almost a person now, and that's all thanks to you. I can never repay for what you've done. I scoffed. I'm the one who should be thanking you. I leaned back against the wall. I hate that I can't see you as much you are the only thing that matters, I said. I just want to see you, the real you. Those comforting yet hideous hands stroked the sides of my face, their mismatched mouth of teeth fixed into a wide smile. Be patient, Mallow. My time will come. In the passing days, Umbra was always on my mind. I craved their presence like a drug. Even Dad noticed my sudden shift in mood. At dinner he squinted over the table at me as I prodded the amorphous green mass of reheated peas that sat on my dinner plate with my fork. Unshaven, with his paunch protruding out of his grease spotted shirt. My lower eyelids twitched as he struggled to maintain focus on me for more than a few seconds. Hell's wrong with you? He slurred out. Nothing. I mumbled. He slammed down his can onto the kitchen table spraying foam everywhere I stared at the ground as I inwardly numbed myself to another inebriated rant sometimes I don't even know why I try I work hard all day to put food on the table and come home to your shitty attitude he exclaimed he hadn't worked for the past three months I would have rolled my eyes but I didn't want to get another concussion his voice faded into the foreground replaced by thoughts of Amra. Under the flickering kitchen light, the unshaven blotchy features of my father seemed more monstrous than what they could ever be. I wished with every fiber of my being that I could be there with them and that we could both leave this place behind to go live somewhere remote where no one could ever bother us. Where it would just be us. Forever. After he seemed satisfied by his own voice, My father gave a sneer before lumberjacking back to the living room for a well-deserved viewing of the latest football game and a few more beers. Not wanting to stomach the sight of my half-eaten dinner, I hurled it into the sink, where it clattered along with the ever-growing pile of unwashed dishes, before storming to my own room. I was teetering on the edge, ready to plunge. Only Umbra kept me teetering to this world. I had no idea what I would do without them. It was then and there that I decided that I was done waiting. One final part to complete the person I loved, and one less pain in my life. Luring the old bastard out was like dangling a piece of cheese on a string over a rat. While it had still been dark outside the next morning, I hauled away a fresh six-pack he bought for himself before he had the chance to drink it. Whenever just one went missing, I'd always be the first to be blamed, even though I hated this stuff. I made sure to be careless about it, leaving enough clues behind so he'd know where to find me. This time, I wasn't afraid of him. I stood in the urban graveyard, waiting. Umber's massive paw slipped out from underneath and clutched mine. Don't be afraid. I'm here. A screech of tires shattered the silence as a battered blue Ford swerved down the road, scattering up clouds of gravel as it skidded to a halt. Their hands slid back into the safety of the darkness. Thank you, they whispered. With a mouth, I love you, back. I pushed down the nervous bile building in the back of my throat and went off to face my father, who had dragged himself out of the driver's seat, albeit with some struggling and was lumbering over. The moment he saw me, his eyes blazed with hatred. What the fuck are you trying to pull? He growled. You give me back my goddamn bruise now, or I swear to Christ you'll be feeling my belt for the next thirty years. My eyes narrowed. I wanted to make you work for it. You've heard that word, right dad? Work? It's the thing that you've never done a full day of in your life. My shirt clung to my skin with the fresh film of sweat that formed. It was like my body had been switched over to autopilot, the words of someone else's tumbling from my mouth. Dad was as stunned as I was, his eyebrows furrowed and mouth falling open. It only lasted for a few seconds, before being overtaken by a look of pure, animalistic rage. You little shit. The steel tip of his boot smashed into my sternum, knocking the air out of me and sending me sprawling into the ground. A flurry of punches soon followed, but I just closed my eyes and took them. It was all for Amra, I told myself. My father's voice faded in and out of my ears like the volume of a television being adjusted. I could still make out some words, no matter how much I tried to block it out. Always making my life hard. No respect. I'm tired of it. I don't want this. Why'd she have to leave? Why couldn't it have been you? Tears streaming down his face as he punctuated the next sentence with a series of punches to my ribs. It should have been you. As he raised his fist into the sky, preparing for one more blow, Umbra's hand smashed through the boarded-up window, sending splinters and concrete into the air and clamping around his waist. There was a split-second look of unimaginable terror as he was dragged in, still struggling against the claws that had held him in place, never to reemerge. There came the familiar pop of bone and boiling gurgles, which preceded the longest and most welcome silence of my life. I peered into the newfound entrance, foot hovering over the pebble-strewn threshold. Come. Their voice reverberated out from inside. I wasn't able to turn back for anything. Once inside... Light poured in from the grimed windows, and the dust particles floating in the air sparkled like diamonds. Hello, Milo. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, the massive shape sitting in the corner of the room became clear. It was six feet tall, but at least four times as wide. It didn't seem to have a neck, with the elongated head looking as if it melted into its blob like torso, which trailed off into a bulging tail. The skin on the face bulged up with golf-ball-sized lumps, which on closer observation were multiple smaller eyes beneath the bulging blue ones that covered its skull. The patches of half-forming muscle had fused to the surrounding metal and cement, forming ropy mesh. The mouth seemed too big for its face, extending into an ever-present smile. Below the veiny, long, and surprisingly muscular arms that were bent against the floor were several smaller limbs that jutted from its sides, slowly being absorbed into its shadowy form, still grasping for life. Tiny black tendrils lined its forearms, wriggling in the air like maggots trying to burrow into the flesh. Yellowish globules of fat spilled forward from its waist, where the skin had split under its immense mass. I should have screamed my lungs out at the sight, but when they looked at me, I knew there was nothing to fear. "'You're beautiful,' I choked out. Umbra's already text smile seemed to widen even more. The second those elongated arms opened, I found myself running for them. Before I even knew it, I found myself nestled against their hills of flesh, comforted by their terrible but gentle arms.' Everything else ceased to exist. There was only each other. No more pain, hiding, or fear. The true monsters, the ones that had haunted my existence for so long, were gone. All because of them. Every moment of agony we both endured was worth it, finally safe from the world. I didn't even care if they weren't human. I loved them. I knew I loved them. They were here now, and they would never leave. I would never need anyone else in my life but them. Umbra, my loving shadow...